You're listening to the Green Majority Podcast. Today, the bonus show at the end of the show has a very, very special extra section. It's not a fun story. It's not even a joke. We actually have a really important announcement regarding the Green Majority itself. If you're a listener of the show, which you are if you're listening to this podcast, we really would appreciate it if you take the time, even if you don't even want to make it to the whole end of the show. We won't be offended. Uh, the regular show, please get to the bonus show. Very important information for you, for you today, uh, right at the end of the show, about the last 15 minutes. Other than that, enjoy the program, and we'll talk soon. To the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I have my bedtime story voice today. Stefan is also in the studio. What kind of voice do you have today, Stefan? I would say the, uh, I don't know, a slightly chipper. More chipper than I felt a couple hours ago. Is the this coffee and a half I had on the way here was is, helpful. Is this your Troy McClure voice today? I don't know. My total clear voice is much, much worse. <laughs> All right. You're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM. It is September 9th. Wow. Today, uh, live broadcasting in the studio. Just Stefan and I today. Uh, so while our tech is away, uh, Stefan is in charge of music. Send all uh-huh. complaints to Stefan at greenmajority.ca. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about three, well, three and a half things today. Three and a half. Uh, the half, I'll tell you first, is that uh, uh, as uh, people probably know if they listen to the show ever, because we generally say it at least twice during the show, we have a bonus show after the show uh, where we deal with some off-topic stuff or get to some stuff that we didn't have, didn't have time for. Uh, today's a little bit different because I have sort of a, a, a special piece of news slash announcement slash whatever. Um, and if you're somebody who cares about uh, this show at all, even sort of like even a, somebody who listens once in a while, this does concern sort of the future of the show. So I, I, I'm going to have to tease it like that. Uh, but even if you don't generally listen to the podcast, if you're usually a radio listener, but you appreciate hearing the show, uh, I would ask it as Stefan and mine's request uh, that even if it's just this once, you go to the website uh, later after the show, some point during the next week or, or, or the following week, uh, go to the website. You don't have to download anything. You can stream it right off the website, but, and you just skip the little slider right to the end of the show and just listen to today's bonus show. That is our request today. So uh, we'll leave that there. That's the half. The three is that uh, I'm going to be getting to a slightly more comprehensive. We've been we've sort of mentioned the NEB hearings in passing. Uh, part of the reason was that there was a lot of other stuff going on. Part of the reason as well is that it was still very much a story in progress, and I didn't feel like... Like, well, there's these little updates, like it was sort of super worth our time versus taking away from other stories to just do these tiny little updates. But I've sort of accrued a bunch of updates. So we have a, a last few weeks update on what's going on with the NDB. That's going to be in the middle section of the show. At the end of the show, we have a, a collection of world news in general that we'll be getting to that's going to be a little bit interesting. There may be some of that sprinkled throughout the show as well. But now, right this now, right this minute, right now, Stefan is going to uh, broadcast live from North Dakota. Stefan, you're in North Dakota. How are you? Uh, yes, exactly. No. Uh, no, I'm I'm still in the studio. Uh, now, if anyone wants to send me to North Dakota, please don't. Um, <laughs> I did actually want to. I, I would open the show that I get. I get to say a sentence I never thought I would say on the show, uh, which is uh, that our top story is from North Dakota. Uh, because you know it's it's you know it's, as far as as far as North Dakota goes, it doesn't get a lot of love uh, from anywhere, uh, and that's actually kind of interestingly that is also a part of this actual story. So of course this is the ongoing uh, news story uh, for the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, 
And what is what, so? What I what I'm going to do here is I wanted to I was when I was reading again uh, when I was going through the, all, all the different news stories and there's a ton out there right now. Um, what I didn't want to do was sort of rehash all the sort of stuff, especially when you can go and actually hear some ser- some really really good reporting done by Democracy Now. They have they have people on the ground. <laughs> That's a part of me. I think that they might be the only people of people on the ground there, um, uh, actually sort of recording and talking about it. But what I want to do instead is sort of give us at least give us a bit of an update on what's going on. Uh, and then sort of talk uh, more largely about what uh, what the difficulty of this story getting some news attention uh, means to the to the greater movement. Uh, so just so everyone knows, uh, just so a couple quick updates. It's three point. It's a three point eight billion dollar pipeline. So it's not a small pipeline. Uh, this thing, this thing is newsworthy from just the get go. Only uh, if, if my memory serves, only uh, maybe a few dozen or a hundred kilometers. Not a significant distance less than the Keystone XL. So that's yeah. where we were. The last time we were covering, it, we were talking about how this is basically Keystone 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, but of course, it doesn't cross the Canadian border, uh, and they're bi- and they're building it in a way which is in segments uh, to avoid a larger uh, a larger. Uh, Environmental review, basically, uh, and so, but so, like, I want to. Well, what I'm going to do is leave, leave leave a couple reasons why this is newsworthy. Uh, so the first is just the money, three point eight billion dollars. Um, it's over currently now blocking the gateway. Over one hundred Native American tribes have congregated uh, to block this pipeline. So this isn't just a hundred people. This is a hundred different tribes from across North America. Um, and on September 3rd, uh, as Democracy Now! reported and actually have vi- has video of, uh, these people were actually attacked by dogs and pepper sprayed uh, by people uh, using the company, uh, by the company that's actually building this pipeline. Or I guess I should say the security of people who are, you know, quote unquote, defending the pipeline. Um, and, and then yesterday, uh, the North Dakota a- governor activated the National Guard ahead of today's ruling. So sometime today, there's going to be a ruling on the injunction. Uh, about uh, uh, for that uh, on on the Standing Rock Sui tribes lawsuit against the government over the pipeline, uh, and of course they're arguing that it's that it's you know that it's violating their their historical land um, and their cultural sites, uh, and and that there's, there's there are laws protecting that, and that this pipeline is not actually is not actually protecting that in any way, shape, or form. And so there are all of these pieces that make this, this story newsworthy. It's a huge pipeline. Uh, there are like people from all across North America galvanizing, uh, galvan- galvanizing com- com- coming towards it. Uh, there's of course the entire sort of like what's weird is like the, the climate piece of this is almost a side piece, but yeah, that's still obviously a massive conversation to be had about you know how much oil infrastructure do you need to build some to need to build for something that shouldn't exist in the next fifty years, or maybe a hundred years, depending on how long, how optimistic you are about our chances. Um, and then, and so, and yet still, after all of these sort of different things, uh, it's, 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 I'd be interested to know how many people actually have heard about it. I considered actually just polling random people in the office today asking how many of them heard about it. Uh, but I didn't have time before I got here. Uh, because, you know, I can't help but, I can't help, I can't help but think back actually to the, uh, to the, to when the, the, the ranchers took over the federal building in Oregon. And it was, and that was the story on everything all all over. And it's not, this isn't to say that you know CNN hasn't covered it. I was able to find a couple of coverage of it, but it's not a lot, uh, and it's nothing like the coverage that the ranchers who took over the federal building in Oregon did. And now you could argue, well, they had guns. Well, like the only reason is that better? Like, are you argue, like, do you want the protesters to have guns? Is that what is that what requires you to cover them? That seems a very counterintuitive. Well, it's it, yeah, and I mean, it's. I, I don't think anyone is uh, like I don't think this is intentional. It's sort of more of an analysis of the landscape of journalism. Uh, but I mean, if if they did have guns, they would be the bad guys. And if they don't have guns, then we don't cover them. 
as right. opposed to being the good guys, right? right. Like, so there's not like there's no it's it, you know, and, and at, at a terrible risk of once again uh, going way off topic, but it's relevant. And I've been watching a lot of videos about uh, this stuff. Of course, the like the ongoing issue with unarmed uh, black men or black, just black people, African Americans being shot uh, by cops is like sort of one of those things. Like, well, what do you want them to do? Yeah. Right. If they if they obey, they get shot. If they don't obey, they get shot. And if they have a gun, shoot them. Like, it's, is it what what could they possibly do uh, to defend themselves? Like what you're asking, like, you know, part of the whole idea about a democracy uh, and, and this is actually quite specifically enshrined in, in the U.S. is the idea that it's it's to protect the minority against the whims of the majority. Right. That's that's in a way that's one of the things that a democracy does. Um, and, you know, so people would say, well, you know, but then, you know, you could, you know, we can't do anything because someone will always complain. Yeah. Okay. But what we're talking about is taking people's land and poisoning the poisoning and destroying all the parts you didn't take, you know, so we're going to take half your stuff and we're going to break the other half, but you know, don't do anything about it. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and, I, and I think there's like a, like, like by the end of the, by the end of the ranchers, uh, they were live streaming all of their thoughts on most major, uh, on some major networks. You know, there was like, a, there was this whole conversation going on about what they would do. And, and then they were, they were actually like playing the people inside this like weird little space, uh, what they, what they thought. And yet these people are at best getting a one minute segment on, on CNN where they talk to Jake Tapper and he asks a couple questions and they get to say their three sentences. And then, and then it's still reported as things like, you know, peop, uh, protesters uh, clash with with government or not with government with with the company, and that's how it's reported. Um, and so the idea that like you, I guess it becomes more and more clear uh, the type of people who have access to be having their own to be able to tell their own stories versus the type of people who uh, who must sort of go on these shows and answer three questions and then be cut off and then have that segment edited however they feel like. Well, sure. And another thing to point to thing out is in the extremely few times that anyone that there has been any coverage in the mainstream media about this issue, who do we hear from? We don't hear from a First Nations representative. We don't hear from somebody from one of these tribes. We don't hear in an interview or any of those stories about how they're being misused by police or how, you know, this is going to be poisoning, like basically destroying their futures. Uh, you hear from the oil company executive or some politician going, well, yeah, you know, it's an awkward situation, but we have to do this or blah, 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 blah. It's entirely one sided. And it's in. It's let me say this. Let, let me say that it's extremely hard to uh, believe that it's not intentional. So I can't claim that it is. I don't even necessarily think that it is. But it's ignorance and bias so earth shattering that it would you would be forgiven for thinking that it's a conspiracy to con con to conceal you know the the truth and uh, and both sides of this issue. Yeah, well, I think well, I think what it comes down to, to some extent is, is 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 privilege. You know, and not not privilege in a, in a pause in, in, in a sense that's often being used, but in a, in a sense that if I am the <laughs> if I am if I am the media. Uh, and I need to get something to talk about this in the next 35 minutes or an hour, the, whose phone numbers do I have? I have the politicians' phone numbers. I probably don't have the number of the person who's actually there. Uh, all of this to say is – so all, all, all this to say is that go pay attention to Democracy Now!'s coverage on this. They've been covering it all week uh, and for, uh, leading up to this week as it's, as, as, as it's becoming more and more of a flashpoint. Uh, it's amazing and, and should be listened to. Uh, but when I get, what I want to get to sort of is – I want to segue this into another story. Ooh, let me do uh, one more quick yeah, thing before you segue, sure. which was just that uh, I tweeted out before the show uh, a pop quiz – uh, how many solar panels does $3 billion buy? And then in brackets uh, said, reminding people that this is the Canadian taxpayer uh, giveaway to these rich oil companies, uh, which is going to be my theme for the next while because, I mean, we've had that number, but it's a, it's a recent number and it's a and it's a very big number. But, I mean, we're talking about country expenditures. But so, you know, like well, $3 billion seems like an insane amount to me, but when you're talking about a country's finances, okay, well, that depends on the country and blah, 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 because the number of taxpayers, yada, yada. But 
when we're talking about what else could this money be spent on, that is a theme we're going to be hammering, uh, well, let's say for the rest of this year. Right. <laughs> what could $3 billion buy? Right. A heck of a lot of solar panels. And by the way, better jobs. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah, so to go from that, um, what I want to sort of, what, what I found interesting about this, the difficulty of getting this covered to some extent uh, is is the difficulty of having, at least with current media saturation, the ability to have any sort of thing to have a flashpoint of action around environmental issues at all. How do you garner enough support? And we had this, I had this really kind of, kind of ridiculous conversation recently with someone about whose, uh, what, what, like whose death could be big enough to have like, like 100, 200, 300,000 people show up anymore. Uh, and you went through all the people sort of, you know, like, you know, Michael Jackson would make sense. And then we're like, but, st- but like, you know, like, it's interesting that you, you, it's, we sort of still see ourselves as a sort of celebrity worship culture, but still the amount of saturation we get does not provide an ability for enough people to come together in almost any way. Um, and, and so, and then, so you, when you remove that sort of celebrity worship culture and just have what any action could actually get people to pay attention, what any sort of thing could actually get people to sort of start thinking about things differently or, or be a call to action for a larger piece. If if it's not this sort of thing, if it's not a set of people standing together uh, from all across North America blocking a pipeline, what is it? Um, and, and and so the segue to that is, what would happen if all the United States went on strike uh, and then throw in Canada? Uh, because because last week uh, or earlier this week, um, uh, there was a protest in India where 150 million people protested in India. 150 million people walked off the job. Uh, it's a one-day protest. They've been doing it. They've been doing it for the last four years to, to protest uh, the protest of the government. But I looked for f- coverage of this. 150 million people. That's more. That's more. That's, that's literally actually all of the working people in the United States. Yeah. No. I was. I was Plus say. all of the working people in Canada. Is it pretty much all of the voting age? Well, not voting age. Let's say working age people in Canada, and the U.S. combined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like it, it got one article on the Guardian that I found. Uh, there's one on Common Dreams that you sent me. There's like, there's a few, but this is uh, any. It's, it's a one day protest, so it's not going to like. It, but it's, it still cost. Talk about three billion dollars. It cost uh, the Indian uh, the Indian economy approximately two billion dollars. Or yeah. two billion, I guess two billion. Well, and, and and it should also be noted as well for the sake of context here, not to, to not to be sort of not to view that story through our own bias as privileged North Americans, uh, because like well, one day protest, yeah, because like the the vast vast majority of people are protesting because they're they're deathly poor. So like they can't protest for a week, right? Like, oh, yeah. It's like it's oh, not no. it, the, the you know their families will die. So the fact that they even took a like a day, like the number is shocking, but also the fact that so many of those people are are incredibly desperate, and they're so desperate that they can take they take a day off work for them. It means entirely different than you or I, or ni- basically ninety nine point zero nine 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 percent of anyone that might hear the show means something entirely different. I mean, that's the equivalent for many of these people of taking like, you know, three weeks off, two months off, as far as the impact on their personal finances and their ability to live. Well, well and, and what's interesting is that they're protesting for an improved daily minimum wage. This is a thing that, you know, and talk about sort of the power of protest and, and sort of I think now often we in, we in, we in the West, quote unquote West, um, have sort of see unions as, 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 as passe. But only 4% of the of, of Indians, of Indian workers are belong to a, a union and they're fighting for a daily minimum wage. That's not even a thing that exists here. Like, yeah, like, like that's some, that, that was a battle that was fought and won a while ago. Uh, and so, and so, the fact that there's these set of people who are coming together to fight for this, and there's still the fact that 
it almost takes uh, takes to, to understand the number of little small fights that are going on across the world. What is a full time job. Uh, and we on the show cover some things, but we miss more than we cover easy. We have one-hour show. Democracy Now! has a one-hour show every day, and they, cover, and they do an excellent job covering what they can. But there's just so much all the time that to create this l- a larger narrative or to understand actually what's happening everywhere, to create a, an, the ability for a galvanizing point uh, to change the system that we live in that, you know, that relies on oil and that feeds off of off, uh, off this kind of daily labor uh, is, is – it, it can it can be overwhelming, uh, and it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't actually have an answer to this question uh, because it's it's one of those things where it's you know every day you come out and I have a great st- I, have a, I have a good story at the end of the show so I'll, we'll go back to that at the end of the show so I have one fun story for today um, but it's still a it's it's an interesting sort of power and overwhelming uh, overwhelming a- effort that was required to even get people's attention for anything. Uh, let alone these sort of issues that are that are brought up by people who are already uh, pushed down by the system we live in. Right. I think that's a, a great place to take our uh, our first break. I have, I have two quick uh, shotgun comments, uh, and then we'll uh, you can introduce our first music break. Sure. Uh, one of them was that I would like to give an extremely rare, possibly the first ever shout out to Facebook. <laughs> Stefan's surprised. Stefan doesn't even know what I'm about to I say. I don't. You're shocked and terrified. Yeah. Uh, Twice yesterday, I was flipping through. Uh, I do, uh, you know, I generally don't spend a lot of time on there, um, but it is occasionally, you know, a good extra source to skim for for trending news. So I do tend to usually, mostly on Thursdays, uh, sort of go through the Facebook and, and look at some stuff that's been flagged. Uh, and twice yesterday, I saw stories that caught my attention, but like it was like, oh, that's interesting. But partially because it was like that seems I my, my skepticism, like Spidey sense, went boing. Uh, one of them was about uh, NASA's EM drive, and the other one was about a World Bank, uh, or uh, w- I think it was World Bank, or some you know large UN associated organization, uh, saying you know how and when they think the world will end, uh, and immediately following them, and they were both shared by by you know people that are in my friended on Facebook or whatnot, and immediately following them, they have this, uh, and they've had this for a while, but I, I think they've recently updated their code because it's been doing a much better job recently, mm. uh, because underneath both of them it was other articles people have shared and the first three things under both of them was like rent just absolutely elbow from the sky smackdowns of those articles <laughs> so i mean you know shout out to facebook if in case this is not an anomaly and this is actually an update to their software to uh not necessarily intentionally seek out contrary arguments but it seems to be producing this effect mm. that whether or not the, the the original article or the shared article is good the idea that that it's it's trying it, they appear to be making an effort to break this thing that they had which was that they're only showing people things that agree with their positions they seem to be doing that by sticking to topics but not necessarily sticking to all articles that agree on a single issue and if that's what they're doing then then i would like to shout it to facebook if not then you got lucky and i'm watching you uh (laughs) they're watching you too (laughs) yes they are and you know what i forgot what my other thing was we'll come back to that later why don't you Uh, introduce our music break our first music break is a song called out of town by a local toronto band automanic uh and if you want to check them out there's oh they'll be on their website so greenmajority.ca to see that And we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Derek Kaster, sitting in studio with my co-host, Stephen Hostetter. And uh, we're going to... Uh, oh, hold on. I almost forgot an important shout-out. Here on CIUT, live in Toronto, uh-huh. and on our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners all the way across the country and international as well, as well as all international listeners, our friends over at Rabble.ca, which is another place you can check out our show. And while you're there, peruse some other good independent media as well. That's a good reason to check us out there. But... 
If you enjoy the content and you just can't get enough, an hour a week is not enough, <laughs> Green Majority is the place for you because then you can get the bonus show or you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That's how you get it. And as I mentioned earlier, today is not a regular bonus show. Today has some sort of like important announcement. So if you're even someone who even occasionally listens to the show and uh, enough that you've listened to it, say, more than twice – uh, this will probably interest you. This is not just another news story, nor, nor is it a clever ploy just to get you to listen to our bonus show. Uh, there is some important information if you're a fan of the show, so please tune in. You can do that by going to greenmajority.ca uh, and streaming it off the website if you don't feel like downloading the podcast on iTunes. So, so we'll do that. So, Stefan, now we're going to move on to the NEB. All right, let's do it. So I got a bit of a roundup there. I collected a number of uh, stories here, and there was a couple of key pieces from them. So again, I'm, I'm going to list them uh, on the website if you want to really get the full story on all of these stories. Uh, there just, there's just going to be a shotgun, as usual, of all the stories that we referenced here on the show on the website. You can do that as well at greenmajority.ca, as I just said. Uh, but I want to highlight a few things because not so much to, to sort of give a, a comprehensive history of what's been going on in the NEB. We're going we're gonna to do a lot of that. But also, there's just a few key things in each of these articles that I wanted to get to. So the, the first one was an article called A Poke in the Ribs, uh, Group Pitches Equalization Payments for, to Ottawa. So uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, for, I should also say right from the outset that uh, the uh, National Observer is, uh, I think, has like – four of five of these articles. They've been doing amazing work. Uh, as usual, another huge shout out to a National Observer uh, and Mike D'Souza, who I think is the author of three of the four from them. So great job over there. Go check their work out. You can do that on the website or just go to them. Uh, so poking the rep. So what this is about is that uh, uh, a rep from a petroleum, a president for the petroleum, uh, for a petroleum uh, services group. I don't have the name in front of me because I cut pieces out of the article as reference and forgot to get that. But somebody who represents uh, the oil industry basically in Canada was uh, talking to uh, the government uh, suggesting the idea uh, that uh, that through the budget, uh, the equalization payments be uh, made dependent on uh, provinces not blocking uh, projects that would be in the, quote, economic interest of Canada. Uh, so basically, uh, let the oil companies... Uh, override the democracy of your province or we're going to take all your money away. Uh, now, even they said that, they were, yeah, we're not particularly certain that this is going to go through, but they thought they'd float it anyway because, hey, Trump's almost winning. <laughs> Trump could be the next American president. So maybe they're just thinking, ah, hell, let's just go for it. Who knows? There's obviously some funky magic in the air. Yeah. Uh, so that's Shocking, um, but there's two things I wanted to get to get on this. One was that stuff like this does happen. These conversations happen all the time, and whether or not they get acted on, uh, this is the mindset. This is the mindset of people who are advocating for this project. It is not uh, at all because they actually think they have the right argument. It is because they've decided they have the right argument, and they will use any means necessary to shove it down your throat. Let us be clear. Number two uh, is the... <laughs> Uh, is the uh, simple idea that uh, one of the quotes from uh, Seckold, who is the president of the Petroleum Services Group uh, that I don't have the name of in front of me. Uh, so there's a quote that there will always be vocal minorities who will never be satisfied. That's a quote from him. And I think that's really, really dangerous because there's there's two that like, first of all, that's it's true, but it's also deceptively not true. And because what, what he is because and what I mean is what he means by it. So on any issue, are you going to have contrarians even on I mean, as ghastly things as slavery? I mean, you can pick any issue and I can find you one person that will take the opposing view. So in, in a literal sense, he's right. Yeah. Well, that's what no. the internet is for. I'm sorry. That's what the internet is for. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I yeah, I cursed at somebody for being a libertarian the other day, and I, then I had to just close the window oh, oh and walk away. Oh so, uh, <laughs> but the, the the thing is, what he's trying to is the is the both the mindset because I think they really believe that is that for them it's not about 
truth. It's about perspective. And this is a huge thing that, again, the people on the political right end of the spectrum uh, are far more guilty of, not exclusively guilty of, but far more guilty of generally than people on the left, which is this isn't about gray. This isn't about a conversation and coming to a, you know, a trying to come to the best solution that helps everybody. This is black and white. This is, I'm right, you're wrong, 100% of the time, always, and because you're not on my team, I hate you. It's, they're applying, and no offense to Stefan here, they're applying a baseball or a sports <laughs> mentality, which is that one of teams, as opposed to one of cooperation, and uh, that on its face, on its face is disgusting. <laughs> Right. So that's that's a really big problem. And the idea that they're trying to push that like that's a way for them to try and just basically say, uh, you know, never mind the counter arguments because some people are never going to be happy. It's a way of trying to just like make people not look at what the actual arguments are by dismissing and minimizing them, which is what you get instead of actual arguments. Instead of trying to convince the Canadian people why this is good for them, they're like, well, it's obviously good because it's good. Uh, and so therefore, anyone that disagrees with me is an idiot. And some of them are just never going to be convinced. And that's why they disagree with me. And so just ignore them. Moving on. Energy East Pipeline panelist was penalized for insider trading. <laughs> So uh, Jacques Gauthier, uh, one of the current uh, National Energy Board members, uh, was asked to recuse himself uh, because of accusations of bias, was paid a $9,000 penalty after admitting that he did insider trading uh, to sell shares in a wind energy company. Uh, so this is sort of related uh, in the sense that like, it's not direct, doesn't directly necessarily, this specific instance doesn't directly affect his judgment on uh, pipelines per se. What it does do is just tell you a little bit about the ethics of the people who are making uh, monumental decisions that will impact the future of Canadians for generations. Uh, not particularly the most stand-up people uh for starters but it is uh, relevant also just in the case that this is like the ninth thing that's happened so another one was um a gentleman now his first name is escaping me but, uh Charest. i'm uh, maybe um uh, yeah i don't have it in front of me i'm sorry uh but it's called the Charest affair is all the all the headlines but uh oh, sorry uh, former Qu uh, quebec premier uh jean Charest. uh so who is now and this is the other thing i wanted to point out surprise surprise stefan he's a former politician what do you think he does I, I'm going to guess he is paid to lobby. He's paid to lobby for yes. the oil industry. Ding, 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 ding. Once again, the revolving door of we don't need to directly, you know, influence you and sponsor your campaign to have influence. We just need to promise you a really cushy job afterwards as a consultant to use all your connections. So that's the first problem is that he even exists <laughs> in his current state. Uh, the second thing is, of course, that they were holding secret meetings. These meetings are supposed to be public. Uh, the, it just, I mean, from beginning to end, there's been uh, uh, corruption and just evidence that the, the people on this panel are are not uh, interested in what's best for the Canadian people. Their personal character is under uh, great uh, uh, skepticism, I think, uh, as far as uh, uh, their ability to make decisions uh, independently of their own personal biases or for their own personal benefit. Uh, and it shows the, once again, just the absolute uh, f fact that even though this story is about, and it should be about, the absolute shocking uh, bias at the National Energy Board, uh, but also the fact that the story is always about the panelists, not the fact that this is modus operandi standard operating procedure for any large corporation, particularly an oil company, to use every dirty trick and circumnavigate every possible rule and to completely ignore public laws because at the end of the day, they get to do whatever they want. And the conversation we should be having here is that are there going to be corrupt people in government jobs? 
all the time. Never. We're never ever going to be able to do anything about that because just a certain percentage of the population is just corrupt. Like just by their very nature. They have very low, you know, people, there's a spectrum of morality. We're always going to have people with very low morals. Uh, so that we're, we can't eliminate uh, that problem. The thing we can do something about is this giant free pass to completely wave the law in the air and do whatever the hell they want for major corporations who we can smack down with the elbow from the sky. Uh, never happens. No one would even dream of doing it. Uh, so we'll move on now uh, where we are. Okay. Uh, First Nations don't trust uh, federal pipeline consultation, says Grand Chief. Only three speakers show up. That's, again, the name of the article. And what we're looking at here was that um, they had uh, 300 protesters uh, showing up at a first panel. Uh, and the second panel, uh, there was three. And uh, one of the people that showed up, uh, who, who did actually show up, was Grand Chief uh, Stuart Phillip uh, from the UC uh, Union of BC Indian Chiefs, who uh, told the basically empty room uh, that, uh, quote, we're not confident in the process. Should we appear to endorse a process that's fundamentally flawed or do we... Uh, do we do our speaking in the streets? And uh, and he added that uh, this is a dilemma that indigenous community uh, indigenous communities uh, face every day. And I want to pause on this one. And we'll get Stefan to jump in on this one here as well. Which this is a really really important uh, point here. Uh, and this ties back to uh, this is where my my comment from earlier sort of was inspired by was about the idea that what do you want them to do? Right. So you the, the, the purpose of every single indication that we've seen from the federal government, every single indication that we've seen from the National Energy Board, every single obviously every single indication we've seen from the oil companies is that these projects are going to go ahead because they've already decided they've already decided even without any of these reviews that there's promise they're going to do. They've already decided that this is what's best for Canada, uh, despite the fact that scientists, policymakers, insurance companies, we're going to get to that one in a minute. There's a new story about insurance companies uh, sending out warnings uh, about not investing in fossil fuels. Um, Everybody has just decided that this is what's going to happen. So what happened when we went from Harper to Trudeau on the issue of climate change and specifically, absolutely, on the case of oil is one of I'm going to do it differently because I'm going to convince you to go along with this as opposed to ram it down your throats. That's the change that we got. We did not get a change in mentality. We did not get a change in rethinking how we're going to run our country. We got a change in how the salesman that's coming to our door is going to approach us on this foregone conclusion that is we are going to invest billions of dollars in an industry that's collapsing. Hmm. Well, and I think yeah, what you've hit on is, is, the, is the central question of – of how to gain trust in in in, in a democracy, right? Uh, like the num the reason why people don't vote is because they believe exactly what you just said, uh, and the reason why people don't show up to the uh, you know the different um, different hearings that that are put on. You know, there's currently there's there are so many consultations going on all the time. Uh, and so many tribunals, like the environmental tribunal sees so many things and everyone can comment on them. And there's a whole terribly built website to let you go do it. Uh, and you can go into an empty room and talk to the three people who, who, who are, who are you know, consulting with you. Um, and, you know, it's one of these things where it's unless, until the government starts showing they're responding to requests. And every single MP will always tell you that they listen to everything you say. Uh, or every single MP will always say they write down any, all of the thoughts they hear in a consultation and then they, and then they have that as part of their briefing notes later. And all of these different things. And I think it's – I honestly do think uh, to give some, some slack, it is incredibly difficult to prove that, you've, that you're listening to something. And, uh, you know, and there will always be some people who won't agree with you. However, um, at some point, you have to understand when a certain system is completely failing. Uh, 
Uh, and if the only people who know about the NEB, like there's probably like there's two of the people who know about the NEB. Uh, there are the oil industry, there's the oil industry itself, and then there are the activists who don't trust it. Uh, I would guess that the actual understanding around the NEB on an average person who does not follow any of these issues is almost zero, if not actually zero. Um, and if you ask them what the National Energy Board does, I'm sure they would never guess that the largest thing that people talk about is whether or not they, they approve pipeline projects. Stefan, it's almost as if you knew what I was about to say. The last piece from this story, very other, another very, very important quote. Uh, uh, I, I, unfortunately, I, I clipped it without clipping the person that I quoted it from. I apologize. This is a quote by somebody in this article. You can check for yourself in the article. We'll post it. When I think of the, this indigenous roundtable, I look around the room and I think where all, I think where all the First Nations pe- where are all the First Nations people? Do they have internet? Were they invited? How do they know? These things are taken for granted if you have a computer. Not everybody has that privilege. Yeah. So this that's another thing too is just to think on that is again we're we're many people are thinking this through the bias of well they would just do that just take a day off work to go vote just take you know do you what you could only protest for one day well we had the post up on the internet it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite uh, sci-fi classics of all time Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when the uh, the Vogons I won't go on for long if you don't know Hitchhiker's Guide don't worry <laughs> uh, the Vogons come and say well we're going to destroy your planet and they're like well you can't do that we like well the, it's been up on the on the planning office on the backside of Mars for ten years it's not our fault you didn't read. Yeah. So we're going to destroy your planet now. So uh, anyone that's a nerd just loved that, and yeah, everybody exactly. else is scratching their heads or hates me. No, but exactly. But that's the thing. And so I, I actually I can tell you the, the the person who said the quote is a, the Vancouver Mount Pleasant MLA Melanie Mark. Uh, but but exactly. So, and so that's the thing that I think. Like if you're the government and you want to, and I understand you have to have processes for everything. That's how you work these, through these things. However, I think when you get the, I'm sure the National Energy Board ha- covers a bunch of other things that aren't some of these major processes. And if you're covering some of these major processes, you need to find a way to do consultation in a way that people will trust. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, whether or not – like there's always going to be a whole, the difficulty of doing this and getting people interested in these things is impossible. As I said, if you go on – like you can go and comment on hundreds of applications uh, to, the tri- to the Environmental Tribunal in Ontario right now um, and, and they're and – they're, they're, for weird things that you would never have guessed, they're small things, they're big projects, there's other projects. They all have to get posted. They all have to have a certain like ninety days for public consultation, and it's kind of their website is terrible, but you, anyone can do that um, if you understand how to get there, uh, and if you understand it, and like uh, and and all the and, and to to Melanie Mark's point, if you are if you're able to, uh, and so you know it, it's. The government has to find a way to regain trust in in at the ver- in well in themselves in general, but the way you do that in, in in smaller part is through these types of things. Like if I trust the National Energy Board is hearing me and I can get my voice heard, and that that might actually influence their 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 reflections or their, their, what they come down on, um, then then suddenly I hear the government hearing me. Like that's the number one comment about the government: is the government doesn't hear me, uh, and and so like. With all of the with all of the the bureaucracy we built around so many pieces of it, I, I, a stronger process to actually f- make the uh, citizens feel heard, and, I th- and you're seeing that in some places. But again, until that actually manifests in policy, that's th- you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and like like I, I, the uh, as an aside, so as a throwaway before we before we go to break, the, the I think the one thing last year, uh, I believe it was last year, it might have been two years ago, when when the tampon tax was removed, <laughs> in about a week, 
Like it was one of those things where like they there was a there was like you know it was I'm sure it had a, a larger build up, but it was one of those things that sort of like managed to hit the news cycle at the exact right time or something, and just basically you know there was a huge petition in it and it got passed and then uh, it got passed it got into the legislature it got passed and so like basically from a citizen idea to removing the tax on tampons felt at least like it was a two month process. Well, and they accidentally showed their hand a little bit there because they showed just how easy it is to do something when they actually actually want to do it well, yeah. when there when there's no political downside for them against it well I, you know that would be great but then i have to do this oh but it might be hard yeah, yeah. like and so like it's it, it, like that's a weird example of, of showing people be hurt being heard but like that people said something and the government passed it incredibly quickly yeah. and the idea that you couldn't sort of you know and i understand that these large issues are way 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 bigger way more complicated but the still the sort of ability to feed back into the system or feel as a part of the system rather than to sort of you know a, a void to be yelled into to some extent mm. um is is incredibly important and if you can't figure out how to do that you can't do it all right. Well, Stefan, you are right. It is time for break, but I, I had two more. I want to try and cram it into this section. We'll, we'll keep right. it. So I'm, we might go a minute over here, but I want to just finish up this section. So one of the other stories was now, of course, was that they had their first hearing on the credibility problem of the NEB. This, of course, was crashed by 300 protesters, which was described, the NEB described as a violent disruption. Uh, I'm sure someone ruffled their camembert <laughs> that possibly was overly chilled. Um, and it's now so it's now shut down. So we're now on an indefinite suspension of the hearings in Montreal. That was the uh, most uh, recent. Um, and of course, what this led to it was so it two more stories on that. Uh, you know, there's some there's some detail there, and they're they're using all sorts of things like you know saying, "Oh, these are violent tactics are used by protesters." Blah 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 blah. Okay, whatever. Um, but the uh, the the other two I want to get to really quickly. One was that uh, was just the headline is all we need to do, was all we need to say because I want to use my three billion dollar reference point again. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the uh, uh, province uh, Alberta in this case estimates wildfire put one billion dollar dent in the 2016 oil sands spending plans. Just want to remind people that's only a third of what we gave them for absolutely no reason this year. <laughs> Uh, and the last one before we go to break here is that Enbridge suspends regulatory process uh, for delayed sandpiper uh, pipeline project. This is a different project. This is the Sandline pipeline, uh, sandpiper pi- uh, pipeline, Blah-blah-blah-blah. sandpiper pipeline. Project. Ten times fast. Pa, 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 pa. Uh, the Calgary-based company uh, said their two point six billion. Do you know where I'm going with this, Stefan? Two point six billion dollars sandpiper project will be delayed until back in crude oil production recovers sufficiently to support its construction. Remember that point. That's important. It added, the new pipeline is not expected to be needed for more than five years. Those two sentences were written one after the other. I didn't, I didn't take those at random. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to walk away from that. Well, Stefan, yeah. would you kindly uh, introduce our second and final music break? For sure. So uh, as uh, this was a... All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIET 89.5 FM, possibly on one of our wonderful and very appreciated radio syndicates all the way across the country, now internationally as well. You could be listening on Rabble.ca, our friends over there, uh, where it's a great place to find other progressive independent news uh, and uh, non-mainstream media information. As well, the best place, I have to say, no offense to anybody else, hmm. GreenMajority.ca, because you get the bonus show. Oh, yeah. We have a special bonus show today because we're going to be talking about the future of the show a little bit. So again, I'll, I'll just mention a third time, uh, because it's important i really mean it if you appreciate the show and you and you like what we do uh in even even just like slightly you think mm-hmm. we're like minorly amusing 
Um, I always consider us sort of the comedy after show to the Democracy Now! Because we talk about a lot of the same stuff, but we, we tell a lot more jokes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so we're like the, the light side of Democracy Now! <laughs> wow. I don't know if that works. Maybe, you know what I mean. Maybe like the – like yeah, light seems a little high, but yeah. – <laughs> Lighter hearted? We, we, sure, sound, we sure. sound like we're smiling when we say terrible things are happening. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's more of a grimace really, but you, know, <laughs> you, you can't hear that. You smile through the pain. So please, uh, even if you heard the show, go to the website, greenjury.ca. Stream it. You don't have to download a thing. Stream it off the website slide the slider right to the last like 15 minutes or so and please i i, I urge you today's stefan and i's uh, request is to just check it out because we we have some information we'd like to talk to you about about the show itself and about the future of the show so please do that uh without wasting any more time though um stefan has decided made an executive decision today that we're doing only positive news in the final section yes uh so i i had one i we had all good news and, and one thing flagged that's not good so i'm just going to tell you about the thing that's not good and you can go and read it and then we're not going to talk about it anymore uh we may come back to it it is an ongoing story and and I want to be clear that we're sort of being a little bit funny about it, but uh, we always have to cut some stories. And I want to, I want to just acknowledge that even though we're being a bit silly about it, this is a very serious story. Um, so please do go and read about it. We're just not going to get into it in the show today. And that was an uh, uh, ongoing saga of Grassy Narrows and uh, some Health Canada records that are being withheld that possibly show uh, methylmercury poisoning in uh, a wide variety of people doing some sampling that was done a while ago. Uh, and this information is being withheld. So there's some uh, so a little bit of controversy about that. Uh, go read the article on the website. Uh, but we're going to we're going to spend the, the majority of the time talking about some good news because we need a, we need a good news break, Stefan. I will let you take point. What do you want to start with? All right. So we're going to start uh, with what? Uh, so so I'm going to call this – so it's definitely good news, uh, but it's good news with the caveat – again, I, I'm sorry. I demand all good news. We're doing our best. Yeah, exactly. So it's good news with the caveat that uh, it's confusing good news. Uh, so there's an open, co- open cast coal mine uh, in Northumberland. Uh, which is the northeast north, northeast England, uh, which that was approved by city council in July, uh, but was recently just called back uh, by the by the government uh, due to climate concerns. And the reason why I say it's confusing uh, is that despite the fact that UK has agreed to phase out coal in the Paris talks last year, uh, and even as early as early this year, actually had some incredibly uh, strong targets for 2030. Uh, ever since, uh, you know, the thing that we've somehow managed to forget about, which is Brexit, um, you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> well, because like, now they're on the Clexit. Ah, there you go. Um, so, Doesn't quite roll off the tongue as well. No, 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 no. Brexit really did. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, ever since you know the UK's decision to leave the EU, uh, there was a, a large subset of concern that this would severely impact uh, its uh, its its climate targets, basically. Uh, and and then it seemed as soon as the you know uh, as soon as the new the new prime minister was sworn in, Theresa May. Uh, she came in and scrapped Department of Energy and Climate Change, uh, which is obviously not a great sign. Uh, and so it sort of seemed like everything was going in the same direction there. You know, everything was sort of moving away from the good news section. I didn't, as much as I didn't ever think to say our top stories from North Dakota, I also didn't expect to say UK government takes climate change seriously anytime this year. Um, but. Uh, but they have some of it. so again, it's not been it has not in any way be been uh, completely scrapped yet, uh, and you know one could argue that it is in part being 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 pushed aside due to the fact that it also was going to 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 like open cast mining is incredibly ugly. Like if you ever seen open cast mining, it sort of looks like someone is scraping from the earth. You know, like there's there's some types of really damaging things in the environment that look as damaging as they are. Uh, open cast mining is one of them. Uh, and so it, and it, it was going to like it was going to be right on the ocean water, and it was, it was a bad place. But it was apparently it was called back due to climate change concerns. 
And the news has been praised uh, by by the co-leader of the Green Party, even so. So politicians there who would you know have it out for the people doing this have actually praised have it. Have every incentive to uh, take the hardest possible. Exactly. View, yes. Yeah. Have out and said it's 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 significant and very welcome. Uh, and so, you know, if the you know coal is dead, everyone <laughs> like. Like coal, if I can be, if I can be coal's Nietzsche, coal is dead. Uh, and the sooner we realize that, the better. Uh, and this is just one more uh, example. We should. We, we, part of me wants to do. Speaking of just things I'd like to do with the show, I feel like a year in review show where you just go through all of like the coal is dead stories from this year yeah. uh, would be a fun thing to do. I, 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 we're, we we won't because yes. I because I appreciate our audience too much to do this to them. Uh, but we could do an entire show called Things Beyond Long was wrong about uh one of them is that you know uh we we won't uh stop doing coal or oil until we're out of coal or oil busted right. and the funny and the interesting thing though is that this also provides a very uncomfortable argument for the oil industry because we're not out of coal coal is still is now being surpassed by renewables i might add mm-hmm. uh but that's very much dependent on the time and place it depends where you are in the world there's you know that's not universally true but we're getting there uh and it is true in some places uh but we are getting off of coal before we're out of coal uh, or at least we're heading in that direction of course i realize there's a number of caveats there uh but if we can do it for coal then we can do it for oil Right. Right. So the the idea, well, it's too much money to be made, made off it. Well, that you, we've already proven that's not true. So uh, stop saying that it isn't true. Yeah. Uh, so that's the whole story. The whole story is that it, it they have not they've they've pulled it back. Uh, they they have not fully canceled it yet. Of course, that's an ongoing story. Hopefully, we'll get more good news on the story later, or it will revert to the mean and and get to be depressed again. Uh, but this is only good news of the, the so fifteen minutes of good news in the green majority. So, Darren, what is the next good news story? <laughs> well, it turns out that Costa Rica has been running entirely on renewable energy for months. Once again, I apologize to our audience, but this good news comes with a minor caveat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good news with caveats. The green uh, majority. That's, the, re, that's really the best we can do here, folks. Uh, without lying to you, and, we're trying. You know, there's there's no money in uh, uh, there's no money in extremely liberal uh, uh, radio uh, to the extent that Rush Limbaugh is. So you know, mm. we're not going to lie to you because you know we think yeah. our audience know better. <laughs> so um, so it's interesting. So they've been running uh, 76 straight days off all renewables, um, d- demonstrating that it is possible. And the reason, and now the, the immediate counter argument there would be. Okay, well, it's Costa Rica. Uh, they're in a particular climate. They have certain advantages, uh, you know, the, the, because of their uh, place in the world. They have better access to solar. Um, so it's not a fair to say because Costa Rica we can, can do it, uh, Canada can do it. Yes, it is true that one doesn't that does not follow. However, it also doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, we've demonstrated uh, because a big part of the thing about reason people were saying it was not about uh, the ability to generate the energy. It was also just about an, like the concern about a system running on this. Like, well, if it's all renewable, there's a problem. Uh, yeah, well, we can do it. Now, here's the other uh, the other caveat. So that that one's not a real caveat. There's sort of that's a false argument you might make against it um, because yes, it doesn't prove that anybody can do it, uh, but it doesn't disprove prove it, it 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 provides evidence that it is possible to do it it doesn't uh, sort of put the nail in the coffin but we're heading in the right direction the now the other caveat the more legitimate caveat is the fact that a, a huge part on this my assumption was oh well they've just built a billion solar panels no problem it's costa rica uh, actually that's not true it's mostly hydropower yeah. and there is concern around hydropower uh the impact uh, we won't get in deep into the science today i'll just say it and you'll you can believe me or not, uh, is that there is some uh, methane um, release, uh, unfortunately, associated with that as well. So it's not climate change neutral, um, and it's not all solar panels, you know, hydropower being probably the most 
yeah, asterisked okay. of the renewable energies. Um, but right direction. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and there's, you know, it's, it's Costa Rica, man. I feel like there's, if, 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 if like the aliens came to earth afterward and saw things like, you know, those, that Costa Rica country that they figured it out. The rest of the world didn't really, uh, but like Costa Rica is also the same place that had to choose between universal healthcare or a military and chose healthcare. Yeah. Like there's, there's a thing, there's like, there's something, you know, there's something in the water in Costa Rica that makes them do like remarkably smart things. Uh, and apparently also energy. Yeah, I also tend to read uh, or anything about Costa Rica because I've never seen anything short of a stunningly beautiful picture of Costa Rica. Oh yeah, exactly. It's, it must uh, be that really... might be their tourism department at work, but who knows? <laughs> oh, they're, they're too, kudos to that. Uh, so another one here we've got is uh, the, I'm going to call this good news, uh, which is uh, again we teased it earlier, which was uh, a, a ins- several insurance uh, multinational insurance companies uh, representing about 1.2 trillion. That's trillion with a T, Stefan. Mm. Uh, in assets, declare subsidies for coal, oil, and gas. Nobody's surprised about coal, uh, coal, but mm. oil and gas. That's liquid natural gas, uh, BC. We're looking at you. Um, <laughs> as well as coal, as well as oil, are simply unsustainable. Uh, multinational insurance companies, uh, not known for their uh, bleeding hearts uh, as corporations, and not really used to uh, associating them with making political statements of any kind. So I think uh, th- it's been predicted, and we've talked about for years, about how the insurance industries are going to be one of the first major multinational powerful industries to really get on board because they're one of the first people to lose insane amounts of money due to climate change uh that prediction has now come true and they've actually this is not the first time that there's been a story about it uh it's been smaller companies and it's been smaller stories about how you know they're cautioning their clients and they're trying to start to hedge their bets and they're adjusting uh we've done numerous stories about how they're starting to adjust their policies to try and prevent losing money which also means that people are now not being insured against disasters that are coming because like we know they're going to come so we're not going to insure them (laughs) not going to insure you at the same rate or we're going to charge you more uh, but now it's getting a little bit more fevered pitch where they're not just sort of adjusting their business model. They're now saying like, hey, guys, like seriously, like you, you cut it out. This yeah. is insane. Uh, and uh, these these are some serious folks who are not doing this for political reasons. Uh, I doubt any of them have science degrees. Um, this is th- this is pure business saying um, this other business is not working. And I have a tendency to believe the insurance industry over the oil industry about climate change. If I had to take one of their opinions <laughs> and I had access to no other information, uh, Occam's razor would tell you that one of them is more likely to be true than the other. Well, well, one of them has this has this, uh, you know, is the one paying for it to some extent. Uh, and and, it, and it's interesting. What, what, it's a funny thing in that we don't really understand, or it's not often understood, how much that uh, how much impact that in that in that this kind of um, insurance can have on a wide different range of stories. I'm just going to tease this story because I, I, I because I had a brief conversation with someone about it uh, before, but it's insurance related uh, and it's good news, uh, which is that in the states, uh, some insurance companies are now getting in to actually insure uh, the the amount of money a solar panel will make when it is uh, when it is put up, uh, which allows the person who's installing it to actually get better rates for for the, uh, better rates on the loan to actually pu- impl- implement it. So it's an insurance company is coming in and actually basically being like, yes, we've seen enough of this organization, we've seen enough uh, of, uh, of solar panels at this point in time, um, and and so at that certain point, uh, we're looking at. 
you know, uh, we know, we know how much money we're going to get back, so we can ensure that you'll get roughly this money amount of money back. Which means that when you're there, when the person who wants to build a solar panel goes out and gets a loan, they actually can be look, look, I'm insured. You will make you, you'll get your money back, uh, making that like if you're the, the all of that is to say that the options for a solar boom uh, or or increased solar uh, exponentially uh, throughout throughout North America and in the world really uh, is increasing as it becomes like any industry uh, as 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 business gets more and more used to it uh, it becomes easy and easier to do and then more and more things become interesting and possible uh, and this is another example of like you know everyone sort of said that the solar industry was was young and like unless you paid attention to business you don't really know what that means and this is an example of it sort of growing up to some extent, is that insurance companies now can understand it well enough to actually start insuring how much profit you can get from a solar panel. Yeah. All right. So we're down to about two minutes. And I, I, so I'm just going to read the title of the, uh, the last article I wanted to get to, because I think it will convey with a, with a, with a hint of sarcasm in my voice mm-hmm. uh, everything that I would have said. Uh, I think I can uh, communicate with the tone. So Obama to focus on climate change after he leaves office. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> read the article. It's funny. Um, but so the, the last thing I want to say is that, you know, we have this thing about, uh, you know, passive houses are now uh, possible. They're now getting easier and easier to build. Passive house means that it doesn't take uh, it, it. In some cases, it actually means entirely resource neutral once it's been constructed. Um, and so the, there's, you know, it depends whose definition of passive house you're using. But these are houses that don't exist as far as the energy grid is concerned. And. So, I mean, when we're going about, well, we need all this power, we need to build all these power plants, we need all these nuclear plants, we need to keep burning coal or any of these other arguments, we can build these houses. They're like, well, yes, but they're expensive and people can't afford to build them. Okay, well, how about instead of spending billions of dollars on pipelines, maybe, I don't know, say just random pick a number out of my head, say about $3 billion a year, uh, you could uh, help subsidize all these passive houses and then you wouldn't need very much energy because all the new houses in Canada would be passive. All the, uh, you could pass new laws to make all the buildings passive. This is a problem with 45 solutions and you're picking the only wrong answer. <laughs> Please stay tuned for the bonus show. Important announcement. You're going to love it uh, or hate it, but either way you should listen. That's it for the Green Majority this week. Thank you very much to Steph and my co-host. Andy, for you for listening. Take care good, and have a good Green Week. So that's it for the regular broadcast today. Stay tuned for a special announcement and very, uh, well, not a special announcement, some very important information regarding the Green Majority. Uh, I won't talk any further because I don't want to keep you from it. All right, and we're in the bonus show. Stefan, I teased that we had some important information. I want to get right down to it. All uh, right. So one of the things I wanted to uh, just uh, talk to people about really quickly here and, and right away uh, is we we have sort of a there there's an issue that we need your help with and then we have uh, some really exciting stuff that might come out of it so this is not a at first I want to alleviate your fear this is not a bad news situation it's just a a sort of an an honest you know the real world if you will this is the the real the true stories of Stefan and Darren it's good news with a caveat yeah good news with a caveat hey that's kind of our <laughs> thing right um, so here's here's the here's the deal folks so if you're maybe a new listener if you haven't been listening for years or maybe if you have but you don't necessarily you know remember everything I've ever said you may not be aware of the fact that uh, I've been doing this show since 2007 Stefan you joined me 2000 uh, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's right around my three year anniversary so it's 13 oh, around 13 I okay. believe so uh, because, yeah that sounds about right yeah, I've been around CSI for about three years. We joined CSI shortly after we start, I was on the show. So, yeah, about three years. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Stefan and I have put in quite a bit of personal time. And I, I just wanted to calculate a, uh, a number for you as well, which is that during that time, I have never worked a Friday. Hmm. 
Uh, I've uh, turned down jobs. Uh, nothing. You know, I was never offered a million dollars, but you know, I, I've I've <laughs> work one Friday with a million my, dollars. I, I've I've uh, 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 uncompromisingly uh, move, maneuvered my life around doing this show for for going on a decade now. Uh, Stefan has similarly put in a considerable amount of uh, his own time uh, and and bothered other people to put in their time. Uh, so if you took it, if you added up the time that Stefan has put in, plus all the time of people that he forced to put in their time, <laughs> it probably gets close to the amount of time that I've put in. So I do a lot of bothering. It's we, true. We've put in a lot of time. And he, here's why that matters. Uh, I'm now 34. I just turned 34. Um, and uh, I'm, now an, I'm now into an adult. I'm getting into my, my mid-adult uh, for, for a sort of phase of my life. And for the first time in my life, I actually have a job right now I really enjoy. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm the head chef at the CSI Cafe uh, over there. Stefan, of course, also works for the Center for Social. Uh, did I say CSA? CSI. No, you said CSI. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stefan also works for the Center for Social Innovation as well, so we're both employed. Different buildings, but we're both employed by CSI. Uh, but uh, th- I'm doing well, and and uh, and uh, I but I can only work four days, and I have a job that's uh, kind of supervisory. It's, we, we're going to be hiring some new people under me pretty soon, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, at least one person. And you know, my job there is progressing, and, and I'm at. A, at a, I was sort of thinking about it the other day is that if you calculated up all of the time, uh, all of the employable hours that I have not worked because I've been doing the show, uh, I've essentially in lost wages put in tens of thousands of dollars into doing this show. So I did. I did. A, I did a quick back and oh, did you math. Check my uh, math. Uh, so I'm curious to see what, if you had a guess. If you had a guess, and this is so this is presuming that over the past, you, you, like it was a relatively. Uh, presuming you make thirty thousand dollars a year uh, over the last ten years on average. That's a little high. Uh, let's say 30. I figured. Well, um, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I can take the number down, but let's presume. No, no, let's say okay, you make thirty. Um, presuming you made that. Uh, and presuming you did a, you've done approximately 450 shows, uh, given that you didn't start at the very beginning, but you started really too soon, and then, you know, so approximately that many shows, uh, with, especially with the extras since the 500th episode. How much money do you think, it, how much money do you think, if you, every Friday for that amount of times, presuming you make that much money, how much money do you think it is? Well, I said tens of thousands, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do times two. I'm gonna say 20,000. $37,000. <laughs> So a year of a better paying job than I've ever had <laughs> has been put into doing this show. Again, presuming, of course, that you make $3,000 a year. It might yeah. be a little and that already was high. So it's probably, yeah. cl- it's probably higher. <laughs> uh, well, it, lower in lost wages at the job I would have had. But maybe, right. I, you know, I've, uh, maybe I would have had better opportunities if I'd been even looking for a job that would have required me, which I, which I have, right? Mm. Which I have not, right? Yeah. I, I wasn't even looking for jobs that I knew would have required me to do the show. Uh, so that number could very well be higher. Okay, so we're not here to cry. Here's the reason we're talking about it. Mm. Uh, I'm increasingly you know, under personal pressure and external pressure to devote more of my time to my job, uh, and my future kind of matters to that. Mm. Uh, I, I am not, I'm living uh, slightly above my means and not because I go and spend a lot of money, but just because I, I don't make as much income as I could and, and frankly need to. Mm. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, we've been asking for people to become members of the show to help support us. We've been saying for a while that, you know, we can, we can expand and do other things with that money. And that is true, and we're going to get to that in a minute. We're going to mm. tell you about all these cool things we would like to do. Uh, I have a bunch of ideas. Stefan's been thinking about it uh, as well, uh, but things we would like to do if we had the resources. Uh, the, the other side of that is that just because of life and being an adult, uh, you know, there's some pressure now where uh, if the show can't be sustainable as a thing like that, like where there can be an, at least enough comeback that I'm not losing money from doing it, uh, that's going to put increased pressure on the ability to do the show. Now, I will tell you here and now, 
we'll never stop doing the show. Uh, but we may have to move it to like recording it the day before, and this is going to put increasing amounts of pressure on my time. Uh, I already feel like I could do a much, much better job if I had more time to devote to the show, uh, just even as it is, without changing anything about it. I could do a much better job. I could do much better research, lots of things going on. Uh, so unfortunately, this isn't a situation of, you know, we're going to do the same thing all the time, no matter what. But if you give us, you know, uh, if you give us some support, you know, here's this cool other thing we could do. Uh, unfortunately, it's now getting to the place where, uh, yes, we could expand. We're going to tell you about that right now. Uh, but it, without further support, we may have to pull back. Again, I'm never going to stop doing the show until, you know, till death do we part, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Uh, but the quality is going to go down uh, over time. It, it simply may have to uh, for the sake of me not living in poverty for the sake of doing it. Uh, and I mean that literally not, uh, not as uh, uh, hyperbole. So, Stefan, let's, uh, let's not focus on that, though. I just wanted to be really clear about the reality of the show here. We're, we're, we're not significantly funded. We receive a small amount of membership uh, that basically just covers the money I spend on the website and some of the overhead. It doesn't really pay for – it doesn't even pay for my time, much less any of your time or anyone else's. Um, and again, as a volunteer, we're sort of happy to do that. But it's, it's, being a volunteer for 10 years is becoming problematic for my, for my resources. So that aside – we want to also tell you about not just like save the show. Uh, <laughs> we've really been thinking. I mean, we've been thinking for years. When Stefan and I first yeah. met, we spent about a year straight thinking about things that we would like to do if we had better resources. Uh, so I just wanted to tell people a little bit. And then we'll get to a one, one story uh, about some of the things we would like to do if we had your support. One of them, of course, just off the top before I go to Stefan, we'll kind of go back and forth, yeah. uh, is that I really think there's a lot of opportunity here to have a video show. Uh, a lot of media is going video. We, we were doing some video. Uh, but honestly, all the stuff with the uh, video production time and everything else, to do it, basically we could do it, but it came directly out of quality, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and after a year of sort of struggling with it, I think Stefan and I sort of came to the same agreement that you know, to, to add that component meant taking away from other components. And it just it wasn't working for us. It wasn't working for anybody, I don't think. Uh, but it's, it, except for that one deforestation episode. Except for that one deforestation episode, which is like, I don't know. So I must have put like, I, I must have, without realizing it, put like, uh, uh, you know, like... Um, Kardashian and the tags or something. I have no idea. Uh, but so we want to we add video. We want to do it as a video show. This will also allow us to go out and do on-site stuff. Uh, this would require a basically paying somebody in addition to us to do that. So that would require a fair amount of upkeep to do well. Because at this point, if we're going to do it at all, we're going to do it well. Hmm. I'm not going to do any back-of-the-pocket stuff anymore. So that would require a fair amount of support from folks, uh, more than double than we have now. I would actually have to pay someone to be uh, to do the video for us, for us to be able to maintain the quality of the show and add that feature. But I really think that that would uh, – it, it's not so much about providing it for our listeners, but I think that would open up so many doors. And I think the people, people reason, the reason people listen to the show isn't just because they get information, but uh, at least I feel one of the biggest contributions that I make to the show is that uh, I'm pretty good at making – arguments for stuff hmm. uh even if you don't agree i'm fairly hard to argue with and it's just, i'm very well practiced at making arguments and i think and we've received multiple emails about this about uh there was a number of times when we've done really focused when we just had a really killer show we had a lot of time prepare and we did a really killer job the, the type of job i think we could do every week if we had the support we needed uh where uh, a number of uh, engos small community groups uh, not NGOs, small community groups from across the country. We got multiple emails one week saying thank you. Uh, it was one where we tore apart uh, uh, the pipeline thing, the uh, Rick Mercer's episode, oh, yeah. where we had emails from community groups in the East Coast 
uh, saying, thank you for this list. We've now taken your list, essentially added some of our own information and used this to go on and lobby our, our local government with it. So this, this isn't just sort of like, you know, singing to the choir. We're trying to help people by collecting information and putting it in a format that's extremely convincing so that other people can then take that information and either show it to other people or take it more, what I hope more, take it, internalize it, reframe it in their own words, and then use this to go and be better advocates, to be more effective advocates by focusing on the weakest points of the people uh, who we disagree with this arguments. Uh, it's about raising the level of the discussion of the people who are activated about this, as well as reaching new people. And I think that alone is reason enough to become a green majority member. But Stefan, you're going to tell us another reason. I want to do a show drunk. <laughs> uh, Way no. to lower the bar. I know. Well, no, I, so when you asked me the first of those, I said, well, what would I do? Like, well, because at first, the way you framed it was, what would I do that we can't? Uh, oh, okay. So, I, so that was my... And so, the, 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 so that, what I, that was the first thing I thought, and I thought that would be funny. Um, however, unfortunately, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, no, I think what I would like to do was a couple of things. Uh, the, the simplest one is I'd love to have a researcher, to be honest. Uh, just someone who's goes, you know, who's, who's out there, who's like, you know, has their, like, the one thing I miss, and I think about this a lot about going back to school, is that I miss being on the front, the forefront of knowing things. Mm. And, 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 you know, like, I, that's what I miss about be, not being in, about not being in university anymore, was that you were, you would be following these things, and you'd know not only the sort of things that came in the news, but you'd have the context, you'd have the background, you'd have, you would be one of the people who knows about this thing. Uh, and, the, and the times that I feel really, really, really good about an episode we do is because we come to it, not just with the stuff, not just with sort of our background of knowledge and, and today's headlines and what this says in that article, but the history of that article or the history uh, or the history of that issue or the land or the space or what's going on. And, and that's when you're really providing value to something. That's, that, that's the, there's the, there's an excess level of value. And I understand that, you know, a part of a big part of what we do in the show and big reason why people, some, some people listen is that they want to know generally what's happening in the environment. Uh, and so we can come out and, and that's what we give them, right? We generally get, let you know what's generally happening in the environment, environment, but if we could have just, you know, even just like a little extra ability to sort of dive in and have like, okay, so this was happening, but why is this story happening now? Or why are we talking about it now? Or what's the historical context? Just to ground it in one, like one step back, right? Uh, and that would be, I could do so much uh, for, uh, for things. But of course, the problem with that is you need someone who's really embedded to understand that. You need someone, you know, it's it, like for any, for either of us to sort of take any story and then go back, you have to like, like the couple times that I've, I've, I've the, not a couple times, everyone's like, if I'm given a story Usually, I'll try to do some. I'll, I'll try to go back and, and learn as much as I can. Uh, but you get back, you know, you, you get one layer deep, and you're like, okay, this sounds like something, but probably something else. And you get another layer deep, another layer deep, another layer deep. And if you don't know exactly how to look or how to research, uh, or 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 what is the thing you need to research, even actually more accurately, um, you know, because like, I, I I often come back to the idea of whenever people talk about sort of. Uh, Canada and Kyoto. I did. I like worked with a professor here at U of T on that for a long time, and so I, I know it. So like that's to me. Whenever I get to that point, I'm like, I actually know how to trace this far farther back, and I would be so helpful. I think to have someone who just like you know, even if we just sort of like, all right, this is the sto- this story is coming up. You know, like like you know, when we were able to get David Gardon and the Grassy Narrows. That's the kind of that's the kind of thing that when you're when you're not just we're not just we we're not just we're not at the surface level informing what's happening we're we're informing what's happening but also grounding that in in a level of knowledge that is that is so much deeper. Well, and I I think that's a really important point to you, Stephen, because I I think like 
you know, one thing people might say is, you know, maybe, 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 maybe not. But uh, one thing people might say is, well, you know, why don't you just get volunteers? And the thing is, we try. <laughs> Have you ever tried? As it, no one who's worked with volunteers for long periods of time would suggest such a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the one other thing is, that, I mean, with the, you know, people, it, it's a lot of work doing this. And, and, I, and I want people to really understand that. It's not because I want credit for it. It's because I want them to really appreciate the amount of work that actually go into the show. And so when we have volunteers that come in, as much as we love volunteers and as much as we love getting other perspectives i i would prefer that i spent a lot less time talking on this show i really enjoy listening to uh uh deirdre and sabina and and, and alex and all of our other volunteers the hundred nearly probably a hundred over the last 10 years uh people that have come through these doors um as well as volunteers is the problem is that like training them and getting them up to speed takes so much time that honestly for the amount of time that they end up on average staying that it's, it's just not worth it it's actually easier to just do the work ourselves uh and we don't have the capacity for that so it's it's not as easy as you might think uh to do that it really well, requires the reliability even if it's somebody who is their part-time job you know they're paying them a very small amount uh but the reliability of having it be someone's job um, to actually make sure that it happens is really the only viable way for that to happen. The other point I want to make on that as well is that um, I, I don't know if people realize because I think we make it look really easy, Stefan. Mm. Uh, but not a lot of people could, you could hand them four news articles, give them 15, 20 minutes to read it, would then be able to produce a informative and intelligent conversation for an hour on that topic which is the other thing we get which is that we on repeatedly this is even just during the the amount of time that you've been with me mm. uh the amount of people that have come in here as volunteers super eager come in watch one show and then go yeah i don't know if i'm ready for live radio uh and it's because they didn't they don't realize like how much we do with how little uh and it's very hard and we've been uh very good about being able to train people up but i mean it, it takes us a couple of months to get people up even to a minimum uh, a minimum uh, accessibility of being able to be on the show. And that has nothing to do with their intelligence, has nothing to do with their education. These people generally are fairly knowledgeable and have fairly intelligent things to say. Uh, but just the the confidence and the, and the manner of being able to take a little bit of material and turn it into something comprehensive and useful and informative and to be able to speak confidently and on the spot about it with almost no prep or forethought uh, is extremely difficult. And I never really, the only time I ever noticed that is when other people come in and they're absolutely terrified of joining us. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, you've you've seen the similar thing. Oh no, yeah, for sure. It's it's a it's a very specific. Uh, you know, part of it is the value of just always thinking you're right, because then you can start speaking like, "Ha this is going to work." Uh, which you know, we both have in spades. Uh, <laughs> but um, but there's definitely a. It's it's everything. It's it's funny. It's not a thing that you really. Uh, I, 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 you know, the more often, like it's, it, it's, it's like everything. If anyone's, if you've never edited a video before, you don't understand how much work it is. Uh, if you've never done any this you know, anything before, you don't know how much work it is. And and it's funny that, that like and, and radio is just another thing that's like that. Uh, or or having this kind of conversation is another thing that's like that. And it's you know, well, even we even during brief absence earlier this year uh, when I was hosting the first day I hosted, uh, the first day I hosted was fine actually because of the because I had enough guests. The second day I hosted with not enough guests, uh, I. Immediately discovered that as something I hadn't done, how, how much harder it was, uh, and and it's again it's it comes down to sort of it's it's a whole thing it's, and everything's a learning process. Uh, but I think the reason why it's part of the reason I think why it's so funny to, to go back to your first point why it's so hard to keep people around is because people have things to do at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Not everybody <laughs> is willing to 
you know, pay out of pocket in lost wages almost forty thousand dollars to you know do a volunteer radio show. Exactly, uh, and and this is going to be a segue, and I apologize, you, uh, you do not know what I'm going to say, uh, which is that uh, speaking of people who have to get back to jobs, uh, I do right now. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're actually I, I, I wasn't sure how long we were, we we're going to do this, so we we uh, flirted with uh, doing a news story. But yeah. I think, but I think that's it. I just wanted to give people a heartfelt, uh, basically a heartfelt appeal as to what we need, why we need it. Uh, and and simply again is uh, you know I, I don't want, didn't want that to come across as a threat. It really wasn't. Just the honest uh, assessment of the just how much. Uh, of my time and Stefan's time and a number of other people that this takes and the unfortunate reality that uh, it's not currently viable and we've essentially been running on fumes for potentially years. Uh, and so please, if you're able, uh, if there's any way you can support us, even a couple of bucks, um, but it really is a do or die situation, not do or die, but a do or go to sleep situation mm-hmm. in that uh, this show is at a point right now just based on where my life is and where Stefan's life is and, and, and our current volunteer status and a bunch of other things uh, at a situation where we sort of essentially have to grow or shrink. Uh, the status quo will, will not be maintained. Uh, we think that you would appreciate uh, us growing, um, and we're simply asking that you put your money where your mouth is, even if it's a dollar. Mm. I'm, I'm also going to point out that we should thank all the people who currently do that already. Uh, yes. And, uh, this is an excellent time to do that. Yes. Thank you, Stefan. Uh, so, of course, there's a bunch of people who've been supporting us for the last you know couple years uh, and deserve our heartfelt thanks as well as uh, the people you know some people don't have the means uh, and so the other ways to support of course is just sharing the shows uh, and helping us get out there as uh, as as really that's the, the, honestly if you're gonna if you're, it's if it, I would say each share of of our show is worth one dollar uh, so if you want to just share our show a ton and help us out that way, that is also much appreciated. Yeah, if you hit retweet on each show once, that's four times a month. That's that's worth more than four dollars to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the very the the very 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 last thing uh, will simply be, of course, as well, is that uh, you know if, if nothing else, if nothing else, if it's if you're not a social media person. And, uh, you know, you're not you're not on the Facebook or on the Twitter uh, and uh, and uh, making a donation or becoming a member is not uh, viable for you. Uh, there is one last thing that helps keep this show running, uh, and that is uh, all the extremely kind email that I get. Hmm. Uh, if you can't support the show financially and you're and you're not on the Twitter, uh, you know, send us a nice email because that really does make it feel worth it. It's true. Uh, it's, it's lonely out here sh- shouting into the void. Yeah. And, you know, there's only there's only so much talking Stefan and I want to do to each other. <laughs> <laughs> thank you really so much if you did actually make it all the way to the end of the bonus show and listen to our, our, our appeal. Wonder. Thank you very, very much. Uh, you're doing uh, a significant part, even just by listening to this part of the program. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, to all of our members, uh, to CIUT, to all of our partners. And from Stefan and I here at The Green Majority, have a good, really good week. See you soon. Later, friends. Later, friends.